Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we look back on the 149th Open Championship where Colin Morikawa was crowned Champion Golfer of the Year. Clubhouse is brought to you by Titleist, the number one brand in golf, and the most played golf ball, driver, iron and wedge at the Open Championship last week. For more information, head to titleist.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name's Tom Clark and I'm joined by Elliot Heath. How are you doing, Elliot? Hello, Tom. Yeah, doing very well. You all right? Yeah, all good. I mean, you must have been very disappointed uh, this weekend, uh, Elliot. You had to actually watch some professional golf instead of actually playing in a professional tournament. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. after my experience last week, I definitely want to be a professional golfer now. And I kind of understand the nerves that these players feel, obviously, on a much lesser extent. But yeah, it must be amazing to have crowds and clapping and, and all that jazz. So uh, yeah, I've definitely got FOMO at the moment, fear of missing out, I think it's called. Um, never really wanted to play golf more than I do now after watching golf probably for about 40 hours in four days, I reckon. Yeah, it was quite a slog, wasn't it? Um, and uh, but it was br uh, Brilliant. I really enjoyed that. What a great Open Championship it was. I could not believe the weather that they had. That we've, we've had such a grim three weeks or so, especially in the south of England where, where we are. It's just been raining, cold, and hasn't felt like summer in the slightest. And then the four days of St George's, it was just glorious, wasn't it? The skies on Saturday and Sunday, there wasn't a cloud in the sky uh, and not a drop of wind, which is very, very rare for being uh, for being on the coast there. So um, they definitely got the uh, best of the weather, didn't, didn't they? Yeah, oh, it was amazing. It's um, sort of what the weather could be like in England. We don't really have it enough, do we? But uh, yeah, it's a shame that it wasn't like that for the whole week leading up to it. Um, I thought the course played really easy because of that. And it really started to dry out quite nicely on the weekend. But uh, yeah, I was at, Sunningdale Heath on Monday night, going to go and play 18 holes about half six in the evening. And about 10 minutes later, the entire course was flooded. So, um, yeah, the weather has just been crazy this, this summer. And, um, yeah, very lucky that, that we got the weather we did. I mean, my dad was there and I think he uh, probably caught the sun a bit. I think a lot of people did. Um, <laughs> but good job the Open was like handed out free water with that initiative to stop plastic waste but i would imagine a lot of people are, are looking a bit lobster like this week yeah i think i think you're right we had a i had a couple of people that i knew who went my brother went with one of his mates and he said i think there was a bit of sunburn going on also the uh you know the massive dune by the sixth green which uh which was covered in spectators i don't know if you've been up there um but it is like a ski slope it's so slippery so it basically is lots of uh sunburnt people who may have had a beer or two who were, I think were just sliding down there taking people out but uh uh it looks it looked great fun the course i thought looked brilliant he didn't play as as difficult as perhaps we thought it was going to as certainly not as difficult as the last time the open was there but i think that was because of the the, the conditions there's just no wind was there and um i just thought, i thought the, the course played very well and i think all the all the golfers really enjoyed it they just seemed to really enjoy the atmosphere the way the course was set up in the main part and um of course the fans being there as well and it was a, it was great to see the fans wasn't it 
Yeah, fantastic. Uh, every time Shane Lowry got announced onto the tee, it just looked so special. And uh, obviously the Open is not the Open without the fans. Um, and here we are on Freedom Day, I guess, where um, we, we feel like we're in this kind of new chapter. But uh, yeah, it did look incredible. And um, and yeah, I thought it was windy a little bit, wasn't it? But the wind was kind of constant in the same direction. So we didn't really have it switching each day. So I think that's what benefited the players as well, because uh, they obviously practiced in that. I think it was a northeastern wind and that, that kind of stayed constant throughout the week. But yeah, I mean, it was a great finish. It was a great tournament. Was it a bit easy, potentially, but uh, it doesn't really matter, does it, in the end? Yeah, and that's that's the thing. I mean, it was the same for everybody. It's actually, I thought it was a very fair open. I mean, I know that maybe the one of the early, well, actually, I think the afternoon starters on the Thursday and then the morning starters on the Friday. Did they have the easiest of the weather? No, it was the other way around, wasn't it? Um, the Thursday early starters and the Friday late starters, I think, had the, had the maybe the best conditions over the first couple of days but Morikawa wasn't one of them you know he, he had the difference and uh I just I, I just think Morikawa was just played brilliantly it was really exciting we didn't really know who was going to win up until the end did we and um it was I just thought it was a, it's a very special tournament uh, on a very special course and I thought it looked fantastic so let, let's chat about it let's let's go to it so Colin Morikawa did win his second major he won his first clap jug, of course, and he finished on 15 under par, two clear of Jordan Spieth. He's the first man in history to win his debut in two different majors, which is pretty special, isn't it? Um, and the first player since Bobby Jones to win two majors in eight or fewer starts. He's the second player after Tiger Woods to win the Open and the PGA Championship before the age of 25. And the only player in the last 25 years to win multiple majors with a bogey-free final round. He's now up to a career high of number three in the world. Um, and since turning pro two years ago, he's won two majors, a WGC, two other PJ Tour wins, and he's won $14 million, and he's just 24 years old. Incredible, wasn't it? Incredible performance for him. Yeah, he just has that demeanour. Obviously, we know golf is a mental game, and every single person in the field hits the ball just as good as each other, pretty much. But he's just that level above. He has... Uh, that calm, you know, golf is the six inches between your ears, they say, and um, he looked completely unflappable. He didn't make a bogey in the final round for the second time in a major victory. Yeah, when when push came to shove, he was there, wasn't he? We saw Louis Eustace played so well for two and a half rounds, and I don't know, maybe the pressure got to him. Um, but 24-year-old Colin Morikawa, who's only been a pro for two years, just, um, yeah, was absolutely unflappable in the, uh, the scorching heat of Kent. And, and you're right. I mean, no bogeys. He he holds some really important putts as well, doesn't he? Some big, big putts, um, and lengthy bogey putts on a couple of occasions to keep the round going. And he's, you know, he's not known for being a very good putter. He's known for his laser-like iron play, isn't he? And tee to green. But he was certainly on fire this weekend, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. The uh, the par putts you mentioned there were fantastic. He made a great save early on in the round, and then another one. Um, was it 15, I think, or something maybe? And then the birdie putt on 14 was also an absolute hammer blow when um, Spieth got within one, I think, and Morikawa uh, had to lay up on the par five. Didn't hit the best little pitch shot. I think it ran, like, ran down the hill a little bit. And then, uh, yeah, when he held that putt, I mean, he told Andy, didn't he, uh, Andy Wright, our writer in the uh, press conference, that I think that was his best ever putting display. And, yeah, I mean, anybody that uses the claw grip, I'm always a little bit 
wary of. I always think you can't be a good putter if you hold the putter like that. But um, it's definitely been his weakness. I guess it's why he's underrated, I guess you could say, as well as the fact that he doesn't bomb it. Um, but yeah, that's one of the best putting displays I've I've seen, really, in, in a very long time. Usually somebody like misses one or two putts, don't they? But he holds absolutely everything and um, definitely the best putting display of his life. So what next for Colin Morikawa? He's got the Olympics coming up in a couple of weeks. Is he going to win a gold medal as well? Uh, yeah, he definitely could. He'll be one of the favourites, if not the favourite. Um, yeah, I just think the world is his oyster right now. I don't know if this is recency bias, but he could certainly go on and win more majors than anyone in his era, just because of that that composure that he has. Like The moment that he turned pro, you're just like, this guy is a serious player. He's just unflappable. So, yeah, he says he can get better as well, doesn't he? Which is a scary thing. Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? We, he's so early on in his career. I mean, he's played eight majors. <laughs> he's won two of them. Um, you know, I think the stats about him winning his first ever uh, PJ and his first ever Open is quite ridiculous, isn't it? When you actually think about it. Um, he obviously got a bit of help from his caddy who seemed to, you know, look after him really well. But I think the reason why I think he's quite popular already is like it feels like he plays golf in the right way. You know, he doesn't just try and bomb it. He actually plots his way properly around a golf course. I mean, he's not short, is he? I mean, he sits, he, he averages like two ninety five or whatever from the drive with the with a driver. So you know, he's but he's not right up there with some of the guys. But he's his iron play is just is just beautiful to see. He's got a fantastic swing, hasn't he? He just seems to just do everything in the right way. And and you're and you're right about his putting. It's it sometimes I think can be a little bit fallible, but. He's one of those guys where if he is hot with a putter, he's going to win because he's going to give himself so many chances, isn't he, to make birdies. Yeah, that stat about him being the best iron player in the world is insane. So the gap between him and second place is larger than the gap between second and 55th in terms of strokes going to approach. So, um, yeah, there's nobody really on the earth that hits an iron like him. And the consistency, it's, um, yeah, very, very special. And I, th I think there might be a few people who actually, this might be a wake-up call for the, for them. I'm, I'm looking at Rory McIlroy here, who um, gave himself a lot of chances, actually made eight, I think 17 birdies or whatever over the four days, but made so many mistakes in between that. Uh, and a lot of that was with his irons and his wedges in particular, which we've been talk spoken about in the past. And we've known Rory say, you know what, oh, I saw Bryson trying to hit it further and further and further, and, I've, and I wanted to try and keep up with him. Actually, maybe you should start looking at uh, Morikawa and go. Actually, uh, you know Morikawa is the guy to, to to be looking at. He's got more and more accurate with his irons and his wedges. We've seen DJ, you know, jump to the next level because of uh, actually it wasn't more distance; it was more accuracy with his with his short irons. And surely there's other golfers around there will be looking at and going. Actually, that's who we should be copying, not uh, not the big hitters. Yeah, that's a great point, actually. <laughs> Bryson kind of derailed Rory's season last year. Yeah, I'm sure that's exactly what Rory's trying to do. He's trying to get better with his irons. Um, I thought he was sort of close to his best in parts, but just same old McIlroy, wasn't it, unfortunately? But uh, to finish even par around that golf course for four rounds when I thought he wasn't really playing very well, I thought his putting was average at best. Um, and yeah, I think it's a big wake-up call for those guys because... 
you look at where Rory is now compared to Colin Morikawa, compared to John Rahm, compared to even Jordan Spieth now, he's absolutely miles off. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's miles off. I mean, he has won a PJ Tour event this year, but um, he's he's not right. We know that. Uh, but he, he's one of those guys where if he does flip a switch and he has a great week, he's very, very hard to beat. Uh, let's face it. And he just didn't... He, it's, just, it's frustrating, I think, you know, he's played... In the last two Opens, he hasn't played very well. You know, obviously, Portrush is under a lot of pressure, um, wanted to do so well, and, and you know, was in tears by the end of it. Um, I think this Open, he, he'll say, look, at least I stuck with it, um, but he could have done a lot better. You know, like 17, whatever it was, 17 birdies or whatever. It's That's an awful lot of birdies to finish finish level par I mean what's going on there that's ridiculous isn't it you wouldn't think of one of the best golfers in the world would make that many mistakes so um he's got to he's got to look ahead really hasn't he and he's got a chance to do it he, he's going to be in the Olympics I mean uh if he wins a gold medal then all of this will be forgotten won't it yeah uh, we saw how winning gold or just how much it meant to Justin Rose and I think it would mean the same for anybody that goes and wins it this year but um yeah I think a lot of those bogeys for Rory came from the putter um he obviously missed fairways, he missed greens, but everyone did. And he just did not seem to be able to get himself up and down enough. And I think that's the real big thing, to be honest. He, he had an awful lot of six-footers for par, didn't he? Where actually, we were expecting him to have six-footers for birdie. But uh, he, he he did struggle with that, with the, with the flat stick in particular. Um, uh, and, you know, there's, he wasn't the only person who struggled. Bryson, I mean, he, he had an interesting tournament again, didn't he? He seemed to be all over the shop, not only with his clubs, but also after it. I mean, he was started, um, well, he slagged off his own driver uh, and apologised for that. You know, he's saying, oh, the driver sucks. Uh, I mean, this is the club that he's been in love with for the last year or so. So he seems to be in an odd place as well, mentally, and playing, playing golf at the moment. He just doesn't seem to be quite on it, does he? No, it's been weird. We've, we haven't really seen him at all in the majors this year. And... Um... Yeah, to say what he said, I thought was just horrendous. And obviously, uh, he got a little slap on the wrist from that and then went and apologised, and that really kind of helped his week. But he did actually finish with a 65, which I think yeah. was his best ever major round. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's quite positive. But, uh, yeah, just another one of those crazy weeks for Bryson where uh, he's making the headlines for the wrong reasons. Although I did think that the fans were, were very good to him. They kept booing him on the first tee when he didn't take his driver out. And <laughs> I think he quite enjoyed that. Yeah, that, I thought that, that was it. I think the interaction actually between the crowd and the and Bryson actually helped him out. Because I think he probably was a little bit sheepish after the first round and those comments. And then suddenly the crowd got it, got a little bit into him, but you know, playfully. And actually he got on really well with them, I think. And I think he worked out how to, how to play a bit better on the Sunday, although it was obviously quite easy conditions. But um, it, it, I think he showed that, that St George's is not a course to try and out-muscle. It's about plotting your way around it, hitting... You know, we always say about hitting the right parts of greens when you're playing into them. But actually, St George's, you've got to hit the right parts of fairways, haven't you, because of the slopes that are there and the bunkering. It's a very different kind of test. Uh, and... Some people do better than, than others at it. Um, I, I do. I do. I do hope Shambo watched Morikawa's speech at the end because I thought Morikawa came across so well. He congratulated the German amateur, played played very well. That's the first thing he did was congratulate someone else, and then obviously thank the 
the crowd. He sung, got the crowd to sing happy birthday to his caddy. He just came across so well, didn't he? And I think the Shamo may like look at that and go, actually, you know what, there's there's more than one, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat here. You know, if he wants to make friends in golf and get and get people um, behind him, he can he can enthrall with his play, which he has done this year. But also, I think he should try and um, try and make a few more friends with his comments as well. And I think Morikawa is making those friends, isn't he? And Deshambo, who's having more issues with some of his players who he might have to be playing with on Ryder Cup teams, may uh, may look at Morikawa and go, actually, maybe I should start acting a little bit more like him. Yeah, um, if Deshamba did win, the first thing he would do is not answer the question and just say, I'd like to thank my sponsors and then list out eight sponsors that he's got. Which is exactly what he did at the US Open, let's face it. Yeah, 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 exactly. But yeah, tomorrow, Carl, I thought he was incredible in that speech. Really surprised me, actually. Put a massive smile on my face. And uh, he was sort of like a rock star. Just on the stage, he had the crowd in his fingertips, um, just so engaging. Had a lovely smile and um yeah i think he made a lot of new fans yesterday oh definitely without doubt so let's um let's touch on a few other people who um you know we mentioned spieth i thought played very very solidly i mean set for those two putts 17 and especially 18 on saturday evening which just pushed him a little bit too far away from uh for moose days and morikawa didn't they yeah oh that was a real surprise especially on 18 where he missed from about three foot I think he said afterwards that he wanted to break something. And, um, yeah, I would have broken all my clubs probably if I was him. And Yeah, to come up too shy is gutting for him. But I think he did all he could, to be honest. I just think Morikawa was unbeatable this week. Uh, that 15 under par total, the bogey-free final round. Um, there were there were certainly moments where he could have missed those par parts. But, uh, yeah, I just think he was unbeatable. And um, a, a good second for Speed, you'd have to say. I thought Spieth is some of the best play I've actually seen Spieth. I mean, he's, he didn't really miss many fairways or greens, didn't he? I thought he was very, very accurate. He's always got a bit of a wide in him, hasn't he? Especially with his driver. Um, but actually, I thought he was very, very impressive with his game, all-round game. Uh, he looked he looked in the best form I've pretty much ever seen him play. Yeah, and he only started the day at nine under par, uh, and he was quickly down to seven under par after two early bogeys. And then uh, I think, yeah, he was two over after six. And he completed the front nine in under par. So that was just an amazing comeback when he needed to. I think he eagled seven, didn't he? And then made another birdie. Um, and he had too much ground to make up after those two bogeys late on Saturday. And um, yeah, like I said, I just don't think anyone was catching Morikawa. But uh, the, the birdies that he made and the putts he made, I thought were fantastic. And it was amazing to see him back. Yeah, it was. And we have to talk about Louis Tazen as well, who... Uh, again, unfortunately, just came up short. Didn't have his best golf, did he, on Sunday? No. For the first two days, probably the best golf he's ever played, you would have to say. Uh, and then for the front nine on Saturday, I thought he was really good and was going to go all the way or at least challenge. And then, I don't know. I feel like I played really well in the second round last week when I played. Um, and I was like really in the zone. And then to get back in the zone the next day, it's so hard. And I think at pro level, it's probably the same as well. Like he was in the zone for two days and just to keep that up for, for that long a time is really, really difficult. And um, it did look a bit like the pressure got to him. He was just hitting bad shots out of nowhere. He missed a few greens out of nowhere, um, which was a real surprise actually, because with the experience he's got, all those runner-up finishes, um, yeah, it, it was a real shame actually the way he 
ended up finishing. No, that, that's true. And I think it is mentally, I mean, leading a tournament for that long, I think it really does start to affect you as well. Because you think you're not chasing, you're almost holding on, aren't you? And uh, when it's when it's so close and the pressure was really on, he just unfortunately couldn't quite get his game up to the same level. I thought he's a bit unlucky as well. I mean, he nearly holds that that uh, hybrid or whatever he hit on that par three. I mean, we hit the flag stick. I mean, what a shot that was. Yeah, on 11. I think it was like a four or three iron or something. Uh, I don't know how that didn't go in. Like, yeah. honestly, I actually like shouted at the TV at that moment. Um, imagine making a hole in one in the final round of the Open. But yeah, just uh, a great week for Louis. I think probably after two rounds, he he probably imagined himself winning again, maybe. Maybe that's where it came from because uh, it did seem like the whole of Royal St George's thought Louis was going to be lifting the claret jug. Yeah, that's true. And he's got a chance next year, hasn't he? But obviously back to St Andrews next year at the 150th Open and Ustazen, of course, won his first and only major championship at the 2010 Open, which was at St Andrews. He's going to have a chance, isn't he, to, to do well there, isn't he? Yeah, I think he was in the playoff as well, wasn't he? Uh, against Zach Johnson with uh, Mark Leishman as well in 2015. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be tough for him. I mean, he's probably had one of his best ever years so far. What, what was he like? Second, second, third in the majors this year? To go and do that again next year is going to take an awful lot of energy. Um, he's got all the money in the world. It's just whether he's got the desire now to, um, to I guess, climb that mountain again, which is going to be very, very difficult. Yeah, absolutely. So, before we finish talking about the Open, uh, we need to talk about our sponsors, Titleist. The success story of the week for the number one brand in golf was no doubt from Titleist brand ambassador, Jordan Spieth, who had new T100 and T200 long irons in play for the first time in competition, en route to tying the record score to par for an Open runner-up. When asked about the irons, he said, I don't understand why do you play any other iron, to be honest. Spieth also played the new TSI 3 driver, Vokey SM8 wedges, Scotty Cameron putter and a new Pro V1X golf ball at Royal St George's. As Titleist swept the major equipment counts in the golf ball, driver, iron and wedge categories in Kent. To find out more about every Titleist brand ambassador and the equipment they use, head to titleist.co.uk. So let's wrap up our open recap. Did we like Royal St George's? Elliot, did you enjoy the course? Yeah, it was better than I thought it was going to be. Obviously, I've never been there. I haven't played the course. And... I've never really expected it to be that good. I don't know why, but yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Shame it's only got two par fives. I think that's probably not the best. I like maybe three or four, but uh, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. It's um, obviously a shame it was a little bit cloudy and overcast and a bit wet for the first two days. But yeah, when the sun came out the weekend, yeah, it looks amazing. And the, the undulations looked incredible as well. I mean, you're never going to get a bad open venue. It's probably not the best one. It's probably not in the top five, but... Yeah, it was a very, very good course, I thought. I think Royal St George's is such a, a challenge for golf and it's a, it's a different... It is so dependent on what weather conditions you get there. I just remember 2011, the weather was so appalling for some of the days and Dan Clark got quite lucky with the, with the wind and the rain. Uh, he missed some of the really bad storms, but it was horrendous. It was cold, it was wet, and it was really, really windy. Uh, and then this time out to there to be hardly any wind and it being quite soft conditions. Um, it did make it play completely different, but that's the joy of a good golf course, isn't it? Um, you know, you could, 
one that plays differently in different conditions, but still it's still a challenge. So um, I think St George's has come out with his its head held high, to be honest with you. And um, I'm not sure when the next major will, uh, next Open will be there, but I'm sure it will be returning there, no, no doubt. Um, and it's been a bit of a weird last year, hasn't it, Elliot? We've had seven men's majors now in under a year, which is, we've now got a bit of a gap, haven't we? Yeah, what a year it's been. Um, we've seen some amazing majors. I mean, how, how many can we name? We had Morikawa at the PGA, Bryson at the US Open, DJ at the Masters, Hideki at the Masters, Ram at the US Open. Who won the PGA this year? Uh, Phil Mickelson. Mickelson. Oh, I mean, what a run it's been. It's been incredible. And um, yeah, as a golf fan, we've been treated this last year uh, after the, the terrible pandemic. And yeah, it was just great to see the Open back as like the, the final one of that year because obviously we really missed it last year. And uh, it was so str- so strange for us in the UK in this time zone after watching six American majors. But I think, yeah, it was a very special week. And uh, I think the Americans have been reminded just how great the Open Championship is. Oh, without doubt. I thought it's, it has been, it's, it was a, a big miss, no Open last year. Um, it's such a good tournament. I think everybody loves it. And um, it's uh, long may it continue with its traditions as well. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a big gap. But we have got some things in between now and the next major, which will be the Masters all the way in April. We've got the Olympics just a couple of weeks away, which more people will, some people will be more interested in than others. But they've got a good field there. Morikawa will be playing, teaming up for the Team America, who have a very strong looking side. Um, but Rory's there. He's he's going to be playing with Shane Lowry. And Shane Lowry said some really good quotes last night saying how proud he's going to be to be able to represent his country at the Olympics, something he never thought he'd be able to do. So it should be really good, shouldn't it? Yeah. To be honest, I'm gutted that there's going to be no fans there because now I can see why the Open was cancelled last year. I mean, it just would not have been anywhere near as good without the fans. And I think the Olympics is going to be a bit like that, especially with it being in Japan. Japan have some of the greatest golf fans in the world, in my opinion. And I, yeah, I just wonder, or I just worry, sorry, that it's going to be a little bit flat. So yeah, uh, to be honest with you, I'm not very excited for it, actually. But um, hopefully it surprises me because, yeah, the, the field is great. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll just wait and see what happens, I think. Yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, it would have been amazing. I think Matsuyama... He would have been obviously one of the poster boys for the whole of the Olympics, obviously being the Masters champion. And now now he's going for gold in his home home country. Um, you know, hopefully that's not completely lost on everybody, but it would obviously have been better if there's there, there were crowds there. But, you know, they're going through their own troubles at the moment. And, um, you know, it, it, you know, there's there's all kinds of issues uh, to, to get to get over, but I, I mean, I hope the golf's good, and I hope that it's a close competition. Um, you know, I remember last time, you know, we were, we weren't sure about what the golf was going to be like at Rio, and then uh, Rose Stenson and, and Kuchar won the medals. When you think, well, they're three very good players, and uh, the play was very good, wasn't it? So, uh, fingers crossed, we get, we get another good uh, good tournament at the Olympics, and of course, there's the women's event as well uh, the week after the men's, and again, there's a chance for some big names to you know to get themselves in front of a, a lot of a, a bit a much bigger sporting audience so we'll be covering the event and um if you'd like to check out our olympic coverage do go to golfmonthly.com our website or check out our social media at golfmonthly on twitter and instagram and golf monthly magazine on facebook and of course after 
the Olympics. There will, of course, be the Fed's Cup playoffs and all this stuff. And we've got the BMW PJ Championship at Wentworth. But then at the end of September, we will have the Ryder Cup, which perhaps is the biggest uh, event of the of the year, perhaps, for some people. Um, Shane Lowry now in the automatic spots as well for the European team. Um, but, you know, the US have had a lot of success. Are they, do they have the upper hand going into the Ryder Cup, Elliot? Oh, well, actually, Tom, I've written something about this this morning on the Golf Monthly website. Uh, so if you, you head there and read that. But uh, I did actually put my neck out and pick Europe for the Ryder Cup, even though the US is so strong. I mean, multiple major winners, uh, Morikawa, Kepka, DJ, Spieth, major winners, Justin Thomas. Uh, sorry, I'm multiple as well, Phil Mickelson, because I think he might be on the team. And then Schofley, Reed, Cantley. It's going to be very difficult for Team Europe, but... Uh, I think the US have shot themselves in the foot with the Bryson and Brooks feud. And then Patrick Reed controversy as well probably hasn't helped the dynamic. And I also don't think Kepka and DJ are as close as they used to be. I don't know if they've fallen out or, you know, there were reports of that fight last time in Paris. And then when you couple that with what's going to be an incredibly strong European team with Rahm and Roy McIlroy coming into form now as leaders and Poulter and Garcia probably playing their last Ryder Cups. Patrick Harrington, I think, is going to be amazing. Victor Hovland's going to be amazing. Whistling Straits has, has never had a US winner in the three PGA Championships it's hosted. Um, See, so yeah, I, I would give you the edge at the moment. But yeah, like you said, I think it's the best golf event of the year. It's, it's the best thing in the sport. And that is going to be an unbelievable week. Yeah, it's, it's going to be great fun. I, I'm with you. I think the US team, on paper, if you're taking individuals, US team is stronger. There's no doubts about that if you look at it, you know, mad for mad. But actually, that's not how it works. It's a team event, and I think the European team is looking really strong. I'm uh, really excited about it. It sounds like we kind of know what the team's going to be already, don't we? So we've got the nine automatic, and then it sounds like Poulter, Garcia, and Rose are going to get the uh, the nod as the wildcard picks. Now, obviously, there's a, few, a little bit to go before it's all picked, but that's that's what we're expecting, aren't we? Yeah, I think so. I'm not sure where Matt Fitzpatrick fits into this, actually. I don't know if he is automatically qualified, but I think he could actually... No, he's in at the moment, so yeah. So um, that would be the team. But then Westwood's going to be potentially the one that misses out then, if, if we look at it that way. Oh, Robert McIntyre. But um, I think Shane Lowry qualifying automatically will be Padre Carrington's dream because I'm not really sure he's going to enjoy picking one of his best mates as a wild card, even though Lowry is um, very worth a wild card. But um, yeah, I'm sure Harrington would be very, very chuffed to see Lowry automatically on the team. Well, Lowry's obviously playing very well if he's in the top nine. At the moment, the nine is Rahm, McIlroy, Hovland, Hatton, Casey, Fitzpatrick, Westwood, Fleetwood and Lowry. Perez has just popped out and uh, McIntyre's just outside as well. So... Yeah, I think that's a that's a very strong nine, and if you, I think Poulter's going, he's he seems to he doesn't seem to be um, worried, does he? <laughs> I feel like Poulter will probably be there, and I, I think it'd be very hard not to pick Garcia with you know the top point score of all time, uh, and then uh, and then Rose as well, who's obviously had a lot of history and a lot of success in the Ryder Cup, and isn't playing awfully, not playing at his best, but um, but wait wait and see if any, any uh, there's any late charges from. Uh, on the field and we'll, we'll, we'll see it but um it's a it's a strong team it's a strong team and a lot one with a lot of experience and i think they get on quite well most of those guys so um 
I can't wait for the Ryder Cup. It's going to be great, isn't it? And uh, it's not that far away, is it? No, what is it now? Two months? Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, oh, it's going to be amazing. So, we hope you enjoyed the Open coverage, and we hope you enjoyed the Open as much as we did. Um, but there was another event which happened at the weekend, just very quickly, because there was an Irish winner in the form of Seamus Power, who won his maiden PJ Tour title at the Barbasol Championship. He defeated JT Potson on the sixth playoff hole. Now, this would have been something which may have gone under the radar for a lot of people, but fair play to Seamus Power, who was, of course, in the Olympic team uh, in Rio. But a massive win for him, isn't it? Yeah, that was the first I've heard of him, actually, when he qualified for the Olympics. I was like, who on earth is this Seamus Power guy? But... Uh, a very, um, very reliable PJ Tour player. Finally got his first PJ Tour win, and uh, he's having a hell of a season now. Actually, just looking at his results, last six starts he hasn't finished outside the top twenty, and he's got a win. So, um, yeah, a massive win there against JT Poston, who's a, a PJ Tour winner himself. Um, so, yeah, fantastic result there for GB and I. Yeah, absolutely. He's uh, up to 113th in the world. Before that, his best world record was 210. So, you know, he's He's doing very, very well. So um, fair play to him. And that's you know something to take note of. Another uh, non-American doing well on the PJ Tour. So uh, one, something that we always like to point out. But uh, it's, it looks like a, a cracking tournament, whether you checked it out or not. So looking ahead to this week, we have a few events to talk about. Firstly, the um, interestingly named Kazoo Open, supported by Gareth Bale. Not a tournament name that you'll be uh, familiar with, but it's uh, it's being held at Celtic Manor. And Celtic Manor, of course, a former Ryder Cup host as well. And it's a decent enough field play, isn't it? Yeah, a bit weaker than I expected, actually, headlined by Matt Wallace. I thought maybe there'd be some bigger names, Poulter, Westwood, or I don't know, just anyone from the Open Championship. But yeah, I, I played Celtic Manor a couple of years ago, actually, and absolutely loved it. It really um, exceeded my expectations. Um, I'd love to know how Gareth Bale is supporting this tournament. Is he taking money out of his own pocket? I'm not sure, but yeah, it should be a good week on the European tour. It should be. I have no idea what Gareth Bale's doing for this, I'll be honest with you. But I'm, no. It's nice that he's supporting it. Obviously, a footballer supporting a, a golf event is always good. And as you say, Matt Wallace is playing. He's the 8-1 to favourite. But Sam Horsfield, who had a decent open, is about 14-1. to Justin Harding, 16-1. to Aaron Rye. 16 to 1 as well. So, a few people who were involved at Royal St George's as well. And I've got to mention, of course, Scott Hens playing 66 <laughs> to 1. Get your money on him, I'd say. But uh, if you do want some uh, tips, do go to the Golf Rugby website and check out Jeremy Chapman's tips. He did tip Seamus Power to um, win the Barb Soul. And he also had Jordan Speed in the Open. Of course, some each way money was made there, but I'm very close to picking a winner there as well. So, he continues his good form. So, check out the golf monthly uh, betting tips, Google them or go to the website and you'll find them there. Also this week on the PJ Tour, we have the 3M Open at TPC Twin Cities in Minneapolis. Uh, Dustin Johnson headlines and Louis Oosthuizen's there as well, who uh, hopefully will be mentally fresh from his uh, trials and tribulations at Royal St George's. Uh, and a bit a bit of a stronger field uh, at the 3M Open, isn't there? Yeah, Um yeah, it's the PJ Tour, isn't it? They play for the big bucks over there with the big fields. I'm not sure Louis Eustace is going to be mentally fresh after probably a very, very stressful last 27 holes mentally. But yeah, it's a good field. I think this is the one that uh, Matt Wolf won uh, his debut PJ Tour title at with an eagle on the last. 
uh, and he is playing as well. He did he skip the open because of travel or did he test positive for COVID? I, th- I think he skipped it. Yeah, well, he he definitely had some issues. Uh, he yeah, so he's playing this week, twenty eight to one. Uh, Dustin Johnson is of course the favourite. He's seven to one. Usain's twelve to one, but I think you know uh, if he picks himself up and wins this week, then fair play to him. Tony Finau in the in the field, sixteen to one, had an okay uh, finish to his Open, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, the ever reliable Tony Finau. Yeah, really good field actually. Garcia, uh, I thought Tringale played really well as well last week. I was tempted to bet on him after thirty six holes. Because it was either his putting or his greens and reg were like first in the field. So um, clearly playing great golf. And that's somebody that I'd be tempted to back this week. Yeah, but also someone maybe to attempt. Bubba Watson also had to miss the open. He's uh, 33 to 1. And then what about Dylan Fratelli, who had a very good open? He's 40 to 1 and been playing very solid golf. Oh, yeah. I might get on that as well. There you go. Well, we've picked a few people. Uh, as I say, Jeremy Chapman will be giving his tips, so check them out on the Golf Monthly website or Google Golf Picking Tips and click on the, the Golf Monthly posts. We also have a major this week in the women's game with the Evian Championship in France. Jin Young Ko won the title last time out, and this is um, this is a good a good event, isn't it? This is one I always look forward to each year. Yeah, it's got really good finishing hole, a nice par five finish, and obviously beautiful views over there. In uh, in Evian, sort of southeast of France, isn't it? Like in close to the Alps, I believe. But yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Fifth major in the women's game. It was the most recently added major. Uh, I know a lot of people don't actually rate the course very well in terms of test and golf course design, but um, it's a major, isn't it? It's going to be a strong field. Uh, it was cancelled last year as well due to COVID, so uh, nice to have that back. And um, yeah, probably the uh, the best event of the week. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Nelly Calder is the favourite, 9-1. She's also been in fantastic form. Um, so, of the people that you were playing with just the other week, to name that, to drop that in again that you were playing in that tournament, uh, who were you most impressed with who were in that field who you think would do well? What, that I actually played with in terms of... No, no, people? anyone that was in the field that you saw, maybe saw, saw some... I know you weren't playing with everybody, but, you know, if, was there someone that really stood out when you saw them on the range or some highlights or whatever? Um, I'm going to be boring here and say Georgia Hall. We watched her tee off and watched a few holes with her. And um, that was actually the day that she broke the course record at Centurion. She shot nine under par. And, yeah, I, I've got her swing. Obviously, I showed it to my girlfriend, who's a beginner golfer, and it's kind of comparing it. And her swing is absolute mustard to, to to say that phrase but yeah she's uh, an incredible golfer and a major winner herself and um 55 to 1 when she shot nine under a couple of weeks ago quite exactly, fancy that exactly what i was going to say yeah very good uh very, very good I, i'm just going to mention charlie cole who i i watched a lot of the uh the Ramco team series basically hoping to see you chunk a wedge or shank it into a pond somewhere but Charlie Hull was getting a lot of TV time, and I thought she would just look to class above some of the other people who were playing. So, um, 50 to 1 for Charlie Hull as well. And um, I think, you know, very strong field in play there, and it should be very entertaining golf as well to see. So, it's been a hell of a week, hasn't it, Elliot? And uh, I need another coffee to, to wake myself up again. But um, it's been a really good week. Next week, we'll have a recap on everything that's been happening, including finding out who won the Evian Championship and looking ahead again to the Olympics, seeing if there's any more updates about things which are going on there. 
Um, but lots, lots still to come, isn't there? Yeah. So we can all have a little breather from men's major golf, but uh, it's all going to come at us very thick and fast again. In um, yeah, what is an amazing year for the sport? Absolutely. So Elliot, thanks for chatting. Speak to you again next week. And to everybody listening, thanks for tuning in and we'll speak to you again soon.